0: We have been doing a series from the book of Colossians, and I just want to recap for for us, and you might have missed some of the services when we started doing this book of Colossians. And um, as we recap, I just want to remind you that we started with Colossians chapter 1, and we looked at the preeminence of Christ. Whenever we talk about this topic of Christ being preeminent, Colossians 1 captures it so well, where it speaks of Christ being the invisible, the the visible image of an invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And it speaks that in Him, all things hold together. So when we look with our own eyes right now, with our natural eyes, it may not look like things are holding together, but we are alive because Christ sits on the throne. Amen. We can still breathe because Christ sits on the throne. We also looked at this whole aspect of Gnosticism, where people think that you can be saved because of some secret knowledge somewhere. And there's no secret knowledge. Christ is the answer. Amen. Amen. Some people think through asceticism, through the harsh treatment of the body, that actually you can attain salvation. And I, we spoke about that, that that will not get your salvation. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Him. Pastor Roger spoke through Colossians chapter 2. He spoke about the battle in the mind, understanding legalism and mysticism. If you were here, you will remember he spoke about the law-making Larry and Helmut the hippie. Today, you'll hear about Sipo the syncretic. Pastor Roger spoke about Christian maturity. It's not about legalistic practices, not experiences, but knowing God. Christianity is not about how you discipline yourself and have this legalistic rituals and way of doing things. Christianity is not about having these amazing experiences. And out of those experiences, you say, now I'm a true Christian. Christianity is knowing who God is. Knowing who God is as a father who loves and cares for his children. So when we talk about the book of Colossians, today we'll be focusing on Colossians chapter 3. Living as those who made alive in Christ. I also just want to bring this aspect of the fact that Christ is enough. We don't need any extra thing to add to who Christ is. Amen. Christ is enough. So we're reading chapter 3 of Colossians from verse 1. If you have your Bibles open with me there, or you can read on the screens. I want us to honor the Word of God. We're going to read all the first 17 verses. And I want you to track with me. And may God speak to you through His Word this morning. Amen. As I read verse by verse, Take in what He wants to say to you this morning. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, Christ is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And is in awe. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. May the Lord bless the reading of the Scripture. As you are reading this portion of Scripture, you realize the emphasis on who Christ is and the role that He plays in our lives. We realize who Christ is as we speak about His preeminence, His grandeur, and the role He should be playing in our lives. And we also realize how the enemy will try to bring in things to take us away from Christ being central in our lives. As we look at uh, verse 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Christ is seated in heavenly realms right next to God continues to repeat this phrase, not only your hearts, but also set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Before I read the next verse, I just want to emphasize this point to us. Scripture says, set your hearts and minds on things above. It means that on a day-to-day living, we may fall into the trap of setting our minds on lowly things. We may set our minds on the things that we see with our natural eyes and forgetting that the Scripture says that we are actually seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Scripture interprets Scripture. That's one of the principles of reading the Word. Have you realized that when you read Scripture, there will be other Scriptures that come to mind? I will encourage you to do well to go to those Scriptures because there may just be another revelation that God wants to show you. There may just be a message that He wants to bring to you. Look at this, Ephesians 2 verse 6. But because of His great love for us that we've been singing about this morning, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but every time I look at my life today and my life before Christ, I'm grateful for the freedom that he has brought. I'm grateful that he has seated me with Christ in heavenly realms. I'm grateful that I don't have to live a life just focusing on the negative things that are happening around me. I cannot settle for less. I need to rise up because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly realms. So I'm encouraging you, and also challenging you this morning, set your heart and mind on things above. Set your heart and mind on things above. The easy way I can put it to you this morning is living with heaven's perspective means we see beyond the natural and have hope for the future. Living with heaven's perspective, it helps us to see beyond all the things that discourage us. All the things that causes depression, we can see beyond this. And we remember in Colossians 1, the Bible says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Being in the Word gives one's heavenly perspective. Whatever situation you may be facing today, I encourage you to go to the Word. Remember what Pastor Gillian shared last week? You cannot say God is silent if your Bible is closed. You cannot say God is silent if you're not opening the Word to hear what He wants to say to you. If you want to get heaven's perspective, go to the Word. The reason why we pray, the reason why we read the Word, the reason why we are in fellowship in small groups, the reason why we come to Sunday services is because we want heaven's perspective. We don't want to be bogged down with the things of this world. We want to know what is God saying to us. How can you say that I have heaven's perspective when I'm not connecting regularly with heaven? How can you have heaven's perspective when you're not connecting regularly with heaven? Another thing that we see in this portion of Scripture is this aspect of syncretism, what one can call a double life, living a double life. Best description of syncretism is the blending of different religious systems and ideologies into one the mixing of belief and practices of unbelief. Let's look again, verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. That word is very important. Our lives are hidden. We are hidden in Christ. We don't live the way we used to live, but we live hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, Whatsoever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Put to death these things. If you practice to say no, when temptation comes, it will be easy to say no. If you practice to say no to these things that the scripture speaks about, sexual impurity, immorality, lust, and evil desires. If you practice saying no, that this is not the life that God wants for me, it will be easy to say no when temptation comes. So let me give this analogy to help us see how we get distorted in our lives, even as Christians. How we get distorted even in the way we see God and Christ and we tend to think that he's not enough and we need to add to him. All of us, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different religious backgrounds or cultural norms or social norms where we are so used to doing things in a certain way. We come to Christ and we, we find it difficult to let go of some of the things that we are so used to. Let me give you this analogy. Have you, I'm sure if you studied biology, you'll remember this. If you were to put a plant in a room and open the window, the plant is going to grow in the direction of the sun or the window, where the window is open. So what tends to happen in our lives is those areas that we open to Christ, the Son of God, we will grow in those areas. But those areas that we still keep hiding and we're not bringing the Son of God in those areas, we will not grow in those areas. So let's look at some of those areas. If you go to the next slide, I want to speak about idolatry or some of these syncretic practices that we tend to easily fall into and we don't bring god into those areas so when you talk about idolatry idolatry is trying to place something in the place of god idolatry saying god you you're supposed to be here but i'm gonna take you and put this here some of us we fall into worshiping education we fall into worshiping success we fall into worshiping our families our work If I were to say this, I said this in the first service because my wife was here. I said, as beautiful as she is, I cannot put her before God. As much as I love my family, I cannot put them before God. God comes first. As soon as I put my family before God, that's idolatry. As soon as I put my car before God, that's idolatry. As soon as I put certain things that are not supposed to be in the place of God, that's idolatry. So I want to put this to you this morning. What are those things in your lives that tend to take the place of God? Nothing wrong with education. Nothing wrong with success. But those things must not take the place of God. As I said, we all come with different backgrounds. So when I talk about religious norms, I want to explain, maybe you come from this background or you know people or some of your family members are still there, where some of the religious beliefs, the emphasis is on the leader of that movement, and not on Christ. The emphasis is on the leader of the church even, but not on Christ. Let me just mention a few. Shembe, ZCC, IPC. Some of these, they tend to put, you know, I I went to funerals, it was by IPC. And the songs where you're supposed to put Christ, they say, Muemedi mediator, but referring to the leader of the movement, not Christ. Let's talk a little bit about Catholicism and ancestralism, which are very close to each other. So Catholicism is the practice of praying through the saints. Ancestralism, similar practice of praying through the saints. Now we know that in this day and age, there are Catholics who are born again, who love the Lord, who are called charismatic Catholics. But ancestralism, we're not talking... The worship of ancestors, we're talking about when we go to the graves to pray through the ancestors. Let me tell you a story of my grandmother, then it will make sense to you. My grandmother was a staunch Catholic. Every time we went to visit her, we would have to go to church with her, whether we liked it or not. Lunch was not guaranteed if you were not going to church with her. Especially Sunday lunch. The seven colors. You now know what I'm talking about. For those who may not know the seven colours, it means beetroot is served. (laughs) It's not seven colours until beetroot is served. My my grand will not let you have lunch if you don't go to church. But one of the things that was quite interesting is she would also encourage us to pray to the ancestors or through the ancestors because she felt like the church was doing the same. So she felt justified that she can also pray through the saints through the ancestors. And as I got saved a few years later, I went to visit my grand again and I, I had scriptures ready to share to her, that, to show her that we cannot pray through the ancestors. After reading some scriptures to her and she gave her life to the Lord, I, I was very concerned if whether lunch is still guaranteed, but I'm glad she gave her life to the Lord. My grand stayed at Catholic as a tongue-talking, spirit-filled Catholic until the day she died. I'm sharing that story with you that it's not about moving from one church to another. It's about knowing that relationship with God, having that relationship with God, knowing who Christ is in your life. And there are churches where the practice is completely way out that you may need to move. But the issue here is that relationship with God. I'm grateful for my grandmother and the role that she played in my life. I think another good example is my dad who would take us to the graveyards on Easter Sunday, every Easter Sunday, we would go and we would have to put our requests through Gogo So and So. Some of them we didn't even know. And I, it was only later when I got saved, and my dad started going to church, but he still would go to the graves, and I had to show him the same scriptures I showed my grand. So, syncretism is when we mix belief or other practices of belief. God is a jealous God. He does not want to be shared with anyone. He is a jealous God. Some of the cultural norms that we fall into, you may have grown up with these things, and if you're still a Christian, you're practicing them, I'm here to announce that Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Some of you might have visited uh, Mamu Profeta. It's not always easy to translate some of these, but you know what I'm talking about. A prophetic woman. And they give you some water that's been prayed for, and this water is supposed to help you, you know, succeed or, or uh, protect you from demons. That's why some people get saved here on a Sunday, or when we lead them to the Lord, they say, are you going to give us some water? We say, sorry, we just give the Word of God. Some people have robes under their clothes. If you still have them, let's pray after the service. Some people still use Muti while they're Christians, to the extent that they will even pray for the Muti to work. How much you don't have faith on your Muti. You even have to pray for it to have some power. It happens to this day. Just if you think, well, Pastor, where are you going? Some people, they say, you can't open an umbrella in, in, in the house. It's going to bring you back luck. Some will say, if you see a black cat, it's bad luck. Just in case you thought it was here in Africa only. In Ireland, if you ever see a cat, not only a black cat crossing the road, it's bad luck. It means don't travel that day. So, Greg, if you visit Ireland, watch out for cats. But this all these things will not protect us, all these things will not bring us closer to Christ. But because we used to practice them, we think we still need them. Christ is enough. Amen. In fact, Mark 7:13 it says, "Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, even to your children, and you do all these many kinds of things." We nullify the word of God by our traditions. So hear me right; it's not just African pop cultural practices. There are other social norms that Westerners we also adopt. We adopt the, the whole concept of sleeping around because media, entertainment, pop culture makes it to be. An accepted norm, an accepted practice. The horoscope, Scientology, fortune cookies. Let's get real now. You open that fortune cookie and say, what is the Lord saying to me today? Uh Uh-huh. You read horoscope and you say, what is God saying to me through horoscope? We've lost the plot. If you haven't heard, one of the big uh, advocates of the New Age movement, Deepak Chopra, he says that a person may attain perfect health a condition that is free from disease and not even die. I'm wondering which Bible he's reading. Some of the things is what I call humanistic do-gooders, where you're doing good and you say, I'm going to make it to heaven just because I'm doing good. So I'm saying to you this morning, all of us are guilty, because you can say what you've mentioned now, Pastor Sai, doesn't include me. But let me give you this. We sometimes have plan B. We have plan B. You know, you have your insurances, you have your investments. Just in case things go wrong, I'm safe. Nothing wrong with insurance, nothing wrong with investments. It's when you put your trust in those things. It is when we put our trust in those things that we move away from who God wants us to be. This is a simple way to put it. The person of Christ is not only unique, but completely enough for a thriving relationship with God. The person of Christ is not only unique, but he is also enough. He is enough for a thriving relationship with God. I want to continue with a few verses before we close. Get read. By the way, we teach these things at Victory Weekend. I just browse through them quickly for the sake of time. But at Victory Weekend, we go into depth. So if you haven't done Victory Weekend, I'll encourage you to do Victory Weekend. Get rid of your past and put on your new self. Verse 7 says, you used to walk in these ways, these ways that I've been talking about, in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of such things as anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language. The Bible does not mince its words. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self which has been renewed in the knowledge of its image in the knowledge of the image of Christ our creator. 2 Corinthians 3:18 it says And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we behold, we become. As we behold Him, as we behold the image of the Creator, we become like Him. So there's no other way except from being in the Word. We think of ourselves as needing to be kept safe from the devil, we forget that we often need to be kept safe from ourselves. We need to be kept safe from ourselves. It is often our reception to deception that destroys us. It is our reception to deception. We are easily deceived, and that destroys us. Clothe yourself. Get dressed. Some Christians are not properly dressed. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and daily love it, clothe yourself with compassion. Get dressed. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. Clothe yourself with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. The Bible says let's forgive one another. Because in the community of believers, we will offend each other. I will offend you with some of the things that I share from the pulpit. But let's be quick to forgive. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let God's peace rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Teach and admonish one another. The word admonish is the same word as correcting. So the word of God, not only will it teach us, but it will also correct us. So if you're feeling a little bit of correction this morning, it's just the word of God. You can say amen or anah or ouch. It's still accepted in the house of the Lord the Word of God will admonish us. The centrality of Christ in all things pertaining to life will have an impact in the way we live. The centrality of Christ in our lives, if Christ is the center, it will have a positive impact in our lives. When we speak about instructions for Christian household, verse 18 to 21, because of time, I'm not going to dwell into it. Verse 18, it speaks about how Wives should submit to their husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. I heard a woman saying, Amen, praise the Lord. And then verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And do not be harsh with them. And I was thinking, just as Christ loved the church, it means if Christ was willing to die for the church, how many husbands will be willing to die for their wives? Not only to, Amen, I heard that one. How many will be willing to take the bullet? for their wives and it's not only physically taking a bullet it means will you be willing to lay down your life for her and sacrifice for her every time I give this example many guys are happy with me there are times when my wife will say I forgot to bring water when you go to bed and she asked me to go and get water and I will be an honoring loving husband to go and get her water and serve her water and even make her tea in the morning. The point I'm going with this is, I see Simon here is like, oh, Pastor Sai, did you have to go there? Did you have to go there? The point about that, we're talking about heavenly realms, right, is in marriage and in family, you're either building heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You choose to build your own heaven or your own hell. I'm building my heaven and it's working for me. Christian instructions for household. And it says, children, obey your parents in all things. For this is pleasing to the Lord. In, in a family, you can choose to build heaven or hell. It's your choice. Time is not allowing me. I so wanted to preach. Uh, freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Uh, meaning what I've just said to you now is if you build with heaven's blueprint, you will have build heaven. If you build with heaven's blueprint, which is the word of God, you will build heaven. So it's it's easier for my wife to cook dinner because when it's my turn to make omelette, I do it with love. Meaning that's the only thing I can cook. <laughs> freedom in Christ, live and work as free men. This morning you noticed in worship, uh, without us planning, there was a lot about freedom. So when we read this and verse twenty-two, it says, "Bond servants, obey in everything those." Who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. So if you steal at work, you will have to pay for what you've stolen. I just added that to explain what the Bible was saying. The wrongdoer will be paid back for what they do. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. As I was reading and studying this, I, I noticed that with the last few minutes I have, I can either teach about how bond servants should obey their masters, or I can teach about how masters should treat their servants. But then I, what got my attention was knowing that you have a master in heaven. If we have a master in heaven who treats us different to our masters here on earth, we are meant to live a life that pleases him. So the word... Bondservant dolos in Greek, it means servants who were set free and yet they chose to still serve their masters. Now read Exodus 21. Servants would serve for six years and on the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, they would be set free. They would be let like, go, go and do whatever you want to do with your life. But some servants, they enjoyed and loved their master so much, they said, I want to stay here because I'm taken care of. So this is to say to us, as children of God, the kind of freedom that God gives us is that He becomes a master who sets us free so we can serve Him out of freedom, not out of being forced or obligation. So we as children of God, why why do we still live as slaves when we've been set free? Why do we live syncretic lives when we've been set free? God, our master, has set us free and we choose to serve Him with no obligation. You might have seen some people, they use this word, do- dolos, and they, they, they put it as a, as a tattoo. So don't go out there and say, Pastor Sai said I can put a tattoo on. Remember, Paul wrote this letter while in prison because true freedom is freedom of the soul. True freedom is freedom of the soul. While he was in chains, he said, go out there and live as free, Bond servants. Bond servants is those slaves who have been set free. We serve him because he has set us free, not because we have to serve a sentence. We serve him because he has set us free, not because we have to serve a sentence. Servants were taken care of and we're part of the family. So in God, we are taken care of and we are part of his family. Christ is enough. Outside of God, there is striving and relentless and restlessness. But in God, we can thrive. If you have been set free, why do you still live as a slave? Two other verses. Whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. If you are free, why do you still live as a slave? 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We sang that song this morning. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Christ is enough for my freedom. Christ is is enough for my freedom. I don't need Mamu Sebelit, some prophet lady somewhere. I don't need any extra muti to help me. I don't need Deepak Chopra. I don't need any enlightenment. I can use a life coach, but the life coach is not Jesus. The life coach can never replace Jesus. So the point about this is Christ is enough.